Good evening, everybody. It is good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service. Uh, this evening, let's turn to First John chapter four. First John, now I'm backing up. I'm sorry, wrong page, wrong turning. I'm, sorry, I'm getting started off on the wrong foot. First John chapter two. First John chapter two. We're going to start reading in the in verse eighteen, but the lesson actually begins in verse twenty-four. First John chapter two, verse eighteen. <clears throat> little children is it it is the last hour and you have heard that the antichrist is coming even now many antichrists have come by which we know that it, that it is the last hour they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been of us they would have continued with us not that but they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is an antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Well, let's stop there in our reading. The last hour. I hear this a lot of times. I can see the end coming. It's closed. Folks, we don't know when that is. We don't know when Christ is coming. We don't even know when we're going to breathe our last. Let's keep that in mind. Even in John's time, they was considered the last time, the last hours. I agree to that. I agree to that because a Savior is not coming. A Savior has already come, that being Jesus Christ. Whenever Christ ascended into heaven, we consider that, to this point now, the last days. Because in preparation to Christ coming, those were the first days, if you will. And of course, Christ being here, he instituted his church. He gave us the examples of the way we should live, as I continue to speak about. And now we are to follow those examples in these last days. But something is spoke of about an antichrist. You might think of the, the anti-holy one or, a, or, a, or someone against Christ. That's exactly what he's saying. Someone who is a non-believer. Someone who is lost. Someone who has denied Jesus as the Lord and Savior. We hear that often. And that is sad to say and sad to hear that folks out there in the world are denying God. Let's look at what he done for human beings. As you and I know through the scriptures and through our remembrance of all of the knowledge that we have, you may not know how, have all the knowledge, but I will tell you this. All you got to do is turn to John 3.16. What has God done for you? Well, it's a lot of people say, what have you done for me lately? This is a continuance. This carries on. It's a never-ending process, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Folks, that's you. I don't have to say anybody else. That's you. It's everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to do what? To suffer in the flesh. To come to this earth. To leave his heavenly home. To come to this earth and live just like you and I live. He took on flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh. He showed us how to live. Died upon that cross. Excruciating death. And my heart breaks every time I think about the cross. Every time I think about what our Lord and Savior endured, it breaks my heart. Because he done that for me. I make it personal. 
I'll make it a, a point to make it personal. Because as I remember what Christ did for the cross, I'm going to continue to believe. I'm going to make sure I'm not denying Christ. I'm going to make sure I'm abiding in God's love. And we need to apply ourselves to that. For the days now are the last days. John said it. For these are the last days. It is the last hour in verse 18. Verse 20 he says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. What he's referring to is, the church understands what it is to be faithful. The church understands what it means to have hope. Today we have an idea of hope. A hope in Jesus Christ. A hope of everlasting life. Someone who is lost don't even care. You can have a conversation with someone who is lost and you start talking about Jesus, they'll turn their backs on you. You can watch them turn their ears off and quit listening. It's heartbreaking. And put yourself in Christ's shoes. Knowing very well, going to the cross meant dying that excruciating death. He died a sinner's death, yet he was sin free. And he'd done that for folks who were not going. He knew. He knew that folks were going to deny, even to the point of death. But he allowed them opportunity by going to the cross. He'd done that for you. He'd done that for me. He'd done that for every person, whoever has existed upon this earth, is existing, and will exist. Until he comes with his angels or his reapers to reclaim those who are his and condemn those who are not. For we see that the truth is the opposite of a lie. And we see that what the truth does for us, John 8, 32, it sets us free. It sets us free from our sins. Let's keep that thought fresh into our minds as we go into verse 24 and following. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Now, this is talking to seasoned Christians, those who understand what it is to be obedient. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you, will also, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who will try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie. And just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. Let's stop there before we carry on in verse 28, 29. Look at what he says. In verse 24, someone understanding what it is to be obedient to the truth, to be obedient to God's commands and apply it to their lives. There's something happened. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. How does your faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God, understanding what God would have you to do and believing it, applying it to your life. That thing that we heard was the gospel and it changed us. What should have, and if it didn't change you, please let it change you. Because the gospel is a good change. A gospel is a change that goes from lost to saved. Lost and found. Y'all know how I like to use a prodigal son. 
The father was rejoicing when his son come back. What does he say to his eldest son, the one whose uh, attitude was poor due to his returning brother? The father says this. He says, we need to be, it, it is good for us to be married. For my son was lost and now he is found. He was dead and now he's alive. You notice there's two ends of the spectrum, one or the other. For as once we are saved, we need to continue in that status. Not to be immersed in those baptismal waters and then go into the world, live as the world, be that antichrist by denying Christ. Ouch. That's an ouch. So many people do that today. All I have to do is be immersed and go live however I want to. I can go do however I want to, say what I want to. No. We have to abstain from the world. We have to, we have to give up that world. We have to walk in the Spirit. We have to behave as a Christian. Behave as a child of God. Come on, pages. Not in Bible class. Out of 1 Corinthians. There it is. My bookmark don't want to cooperate. <clears throat> All right, so turn with me also to, well, Galatians. Galatians 5. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. As we put on Christ, as we put on the Spirit, we need to behave as we, as we have put on the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We need to measure ourselves up with this. Measure ourselves up in how do we look in the eyes of God. Do we look like we've put on the fruit of the Spirit? Or have we conducted ourselves in the manner of deceiving ourselves in this last hour? Because those, again, who have denied Christ, those who have not put on these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, the idea of love. How do we love God? By keeping His commandments. Remember that? John chapter 15. Whenever we are obedient to God's commands, we abide in His love. We do remember how Christ showed His love toward His Father. Keeping his commandments. Today are we keeping his commandments? I seriously hope so because we see that in Galatians when Paul writes it. The idea of keeping the fruit of the Spirit. I put on the Spirit being that new person as we made examples of this morning. Do not deny Christ. We understand what is to have hope and now we need to continue into that hope. Let that truth abide in you. Again, John 8, 32. What does the truth do for you? Set you free from your sins. So you don't have to be held accountable for them on judgment day. We can stand before him justified on that day. Verse 25, in doing so, standing before him, he promises us something. If we let that truth abide in us, the one that we heard from the beginning of our faith, he promises something on that day. Everlasting love. We also hear it of in, in Revelations 2.10. I use that verse often, but that was a, a troubling church is fixed to endure serious persecutions. It's the same promise. When we remain faithful, when we let that truth abide in us, 
when we continue on from the things that we heard from the beginning, as we abide in the Father, standing before Him on Judgment Day, can be justified. And He promises right there in verse 25, eternal life. We're spiritually minded. Why? Because we're yearning for something better. We're obedient to God. Why? Because He commands us to. One. And also we love Him enough to be obedient. And He also... The, the promise that he bestows into those who are faithful. That's another reason why we're faithful. Because we know this world is going away. John says it's the last hour. That's been 2,000 years. When's he coming, by the way? Uh, again, I, I hear this all the time. Well, the end's near. The end is near. 2,000 years ago, John also said it was near. The last hour. The days to come. It's going to be fulfilled. It's coming. Don't get me wrong. That's why we need to be ready. That's why we need to be spiritually prepared as if you're denying Christ, you will be denied before the Father on Judgment Day. Let's not be that. Imagine yourself being an, an atheist. I'll tell you this. Imagine yourself not believing in God for your entire life and standing before Him on Judgment one day thinking He does exist. I should have listened to Mark. I should have, I should have listened to him. But now it's too late. For the powers of the heaven will be shaken and the opportunity of repentance is gone. This is a judgment scene. We will be getting the just reward of our deeds. Someone who doesn't believe in God is going to behave how they want to, not according to God's word. And we know that's going to be condemnation. The adversary of God. That'd be horrible. That would be terrifying. We don't have to be terrified on that day. We don't have to be terrified standing before God. And I will say this. What's the difference between someone who is saved and someone who is lost? Oh, the big difference. A big difference. Someone who is saved knows what hope is. And they have an idea of what standing before God being justified is. That's someone who is saved. Someone who is lost, they don't. I heard a, I heard a statement. I know that I know they were just kidding, but it's nothing to kid about. It's not a joke. It's not fun time. We need to be serious about our spirituality. This person was not. He said, "Well, I know where I'm going. I'm just going to snuggle up to Satan when I get down there. My floor, my jaw hits the floor." I said, "What, folks? This was a loved one." There's someone who I'm exceedingly close to, and I'm working on. I will say that. To go from that mindset to say, well, I'm just going to snuggle up to him. Huh? How can you say that? That should terrify us. That should terrify us even being absent from God. Remember Christ in that garden before he was crucified? What did he say? My God, my God, let this cup be passed. But if it be your will be done, let it be so. And I was paraphrasing, but that's what he said. He was afraid to be separated from his God. He was going to be separated from God for the first time ever. And what does he say? On the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because of the sin that he took on. Your sins. My sins. And the sins of the entire world. Folks, that's a lot of sin. Of our human minds, think. But in God's eyes, what's that one sin? 
that one sin is that, that we participate in, that we condone, that we joke about, is just as much as the entire sins of the world. Because sin is sin. We might say, well, I would never deny Christ. I would, of course I'm going to continue to believe. What's an adversary? Go to checkers, right? My che checkers are chances to go to. Most folks know how to play checkers. What's the purpose of you playing checkers? To beat the other person, right? I, I, remember, I remember playing granddaddy when he was little, and he was good at checkers. You, did, you didn't want to play with him. You backed against the corner, and you're going down because he was all business when it came to checkers. I don't care if he was 2, 4, 16. You, he was winning. We never won against granddaddy. Never once. No, I didn't. An adversary. Whenever we sin, when we fall short, we become an adversary of God. When we do it willfully, that sacrifice that Christ made upon the cross goes out the window. We got to come back. We got to get forgiveness. We got to repent of that sin that cost us that separation. Stop doing it. Because He wants to be our advocate. He wants to be our go-to. He wants to pay that sin debt for you on Judgment Day to so as you can stand justified. Now, why did I say that? Because there are a lot of folks out there in the world who do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. There's a lot of folks out there who don't even care about God a lot. I once was that person. Never go back. Because I don't want to be lost, Jeremy. I want to be justified, Jeremy. I keep using the word justified. Why do I keep using justified? Romans 3.23 tells, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You and I included. If we say that we're not sinners, we make ourselves a liar. We make God a liar. We also, we say the, in verse 8, we're deceiving ourselves in 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Again, if the truth is not in us, We've disobeyed God, we have denied Christ, and we have become what? An antichrist. We have become against Christ. Let's remember that. The reason why we're here today, that's the reason why we're spiritual in the first place, to continue to abide in the Father, to believe that hope exists, to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, when I say believe, that is an action. When I say believe, that's an action. You're going to go out there in the world and you're going to behave like a Christian. You're going to behave like Christ. That's how we show our belief. Remember when James, chapter 2, he says something about faith and works is dead. Show me your faith without your works. You can't do it. You can't. So we got to have works with our faith. Doing Yes, sir, we do. Yes, ma'am, we do. Now, as we're remaining faithful, Verse 25, he promises everlasting life, folks. That doesn't sound a whole lot better than eternal condemnation. It sounds so much better. Have you ever had a, uh, a disagreement with someone when it becomes of a spiritual nature? Look at verse 26 real quick before we move on. 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. These things I, written, I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Do not be deceived by those who try to turn you away. Do not be deceived by those who say, well, what about this? What, what, what about, I'm going to use an example. What about musical instruments? What about musical, we hear that argument all the time. And Christ never approved of instrumental music. 
You don't see instrumental music in the New Testament when it pertains to worship service. I said, oh, but David played. He did. Old Testament. Christ said all things have, have done away with. All things are finished. We're supposed to worship. We're supposed to be obeyed. We're supposed to follow Christ and God's commands to the T. Not adding to, not removing. But what about this? Don't let them deceive you. Understand what the truth is. The truth altered is no longer the truth, is it? Christ in John 8, 32, he doesn't say the, the kind of truth will set you free. He don't say that at all. He says you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth is the word. Knowing the word, applying it to your heart, let that abide in you. And let no one try to deceive you. Let no one change your mind. Be convinced without a shadow of a doubt. And in verse 28 and 29. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Let's back up in verse 28. The example went through my mind as I was preparing for this lesson. A little child going to the principal's office. I did that once, and that terrified me, and it was not my fault. Someone at home needed to talk to me. I was called to the principal's office one time as a little child. You know, That's terrifying to go before someone with authority. It's, it's terrifying for a little child. I did it. I was sitting outside, and I was just shaking. I go, oh, what, what did I do? What have I done? Nothing. But it still was terrifying to me. Now, multiply that times infinity. Standing before God, being unjustified, being lost, being someone who has obeyed the gospel and turned away from that promise. Like John 6 and verse 66. Those disciples who heard those difficult things and they misunderstood what Christ was saying and they walked away from him, never to walk with him ever again. John 6 and verse 66, disciples turned away. It happened then and it happens today. Imagine yourself have walked away from God and judgment day has come. How ashamed would you be? How ashamed would you? Very ashamed. Why did I turn away? Why, why, did, I, why did I come back? Why did, I, why did I stay away for so long? Why? Because on that day, Christ himself says, and I just lost it. Well, yeah, I just lost it. Well, the book, chapter and verse just lost me. 21 through 23. So depart from me, you workers. It'll come to me. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's what he says in verse 23. In verses 21 through 23, he said 22 through, excuse me, 21 through 22, he says this. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And I will declare unto them that day. Oh, those sad times. Whenever you once was responded to the gospel, walked away, living in the world as the world, being that antichrist, denying Christ, standing before God, ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed today. We do not have to be ashamed, folks. We can be 
confident. We can be confident standing before God. Now if we turn over just a little bit, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. As a child of God, we can know that we have salvation waiting for us. We can have that confidence that he's talking about in verse 28. Do we have that confidence? Listen to what he says in 1 John 5 and verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that's a Christian, that's a child of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. He's reassuring us the things that we do, the things that we, that, that we say, the, the way that we behave is in accordance with God's will that we know that we have everlasting life. But may continue the idea of moving on when he says it also in verse 24 of chapter 2. He says that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. That what you heard from the beginning, abide in it. When you do that, you're abiding in the Father. And you can have that confidence in verse 28 before him at his coming. For folks, Jesus Christ is coming. I want, to, I want to reassure you this. He is coming. Are we ready? If he was to come here at, at Booth Chapel, we have doors in the foyer coming into the front of the building. If he was to come through those doors, well, I know he's not. He's going to come on a cloud and reap those who are his. I understand that. But my example is this. If he walked through those doors right now, uh, how would you feel? Have you, have you sinned unrepentant of? Did that, did that just pop into your mind? Are you un, unrighteous in his eyes? Did that just pop into your mind? Or did you have this pop into your mind? I'm ready to go. Paul was continuously. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he was hard pressed between the two because it was more needful for the church for him to be here. But it's, more, it's, it's better for him to go on. He knew what everlasting life meant. That should, keep us, that should keep us steadfast on the course. Verse 29, again. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. You ever heard the term, practice makes perfect? You ever heard that term before? I have. I know y'all have too. You want to get good at something, practice at it. You want to get it good for being righteous? You want to get it, get it good at doing right in the eyes of God? Practice it. You, also, you ever heard the term also, uh, you practice what you preach? Oh, I've heard that many times. Let's talk the talk and walk the walk. Another one. I could go on. I'm not. I want to make sure that we stand before God righteous and not lost. Because if we stand before God lost, we can't point at our finger and say, God, it's your fault. We can't do that. You ever pointed at somebody? I use this at Melissa all the time. She probably knows where this is going. You point at somebody, how many fingers are pointing back at you? Three. One, two, three. Right? Pointing at you. No, it's your fault. If you stand before God unjustified, unrighteous, not having practiced righteousness, denying the Son of God, it is all your fault. Because you have succumbed to Satan. Satan is the author of death. He is the orchestrator of that life. That tells you in your mind, I can do what I want to. I can behave how I want to. That's Satan. 
That's a lie. Don't believe that lie. Believe the truth. Because the scriptures do not tell us that a lie will save us. It does not. That lie will condemn us if we adhere to it, if we follow it. So let's not practice the lie. Let's practice righteousness. And in closing of this lesson, we have an option in our everyday walk of life to either practice righteousness, be that instrument of righteousness, or be that instrument of unrighteousness. I will tell you this right now, that instrument of unrighteousness leads to sin and it leads to death. An instrument of righteousness leads to God. So let's make sure we're leading ourselves to God. Excuse me, God leading us to Himself by being obedient to His Word. we got to have that courage. I know I pray for courage a lot. But I will say this. It takes a lot to have courage in this world to be obedient to God. To just talk to somebody about God. To encourage to someone to come out of their sins. I believe we take encouragement through Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ has strengthened us through His Word. As He abides in us, we can take strength in that as well. My encouragement again tonight, continue to abide in that which, which you have heard and believed from the beginning so as you can abide in God. And if you have denied Him, turn away. Don't, don't continue to deny Jesus Christ. Don't continue to be that Antichrist. We use that word. Oh, I don't, I'm not an antichrist. I believe in Christ. Now, let me ask you this. Do you? I hear it so much. Oh, I believe in God. I believe in Christ. Do you? Because belief is an action. Are we believing? Does, does folks see God abiding in us? Can people see Jesus Christ radiating from us? I hope so. Because if you are, you, have, you are not an antichrist. You are like Christ. Keep in mind, whenever Christ said it the best, see if I can't turn there real quick and close it. <clears throat> I pulled my bookmark out of the wrong. My bookmarks are just all over the place tonight. It was John 14. John 14, verse 1. <clears throat> Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And here's his promise. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know and the way you know. And then old Thomas, he chimes in, and says, we don't know where you're going. Verse 5, Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And verse 6, here we go. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. How do we stand in God's eyes? Are we standing as a Christian today? We're practicing righteousness. Are we ready to accept that promise that Christ just spoke of? Those mansions that he goes to prepare a place for you. And he does not go to prepare a place for those who have disobeyed him. He does not go to prepare a place for those who are ready to just cast him away. He goes on to prepare a place for those who are his. Notice what he says in verse 3. 
of John 14. And I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you, Christians, obedient to myself. There where I am, that there you may be also at the right hand of God, folks. Heaven for an eternity. No pain, no suffering, no weeping, no tears. Isn't it wonderful to know that there, are, there is such a place that exists and requires action on our part? It requires a whole lot of action on our part. It's faithful obedience to His Word. And we reap those outcomes on Judgment Day. I will say this again, He's coming. We don't know when. We're in the last hour. We're in the home stretch, if you will. Are you prepared to meet your God? I seriously hope so. If you're unprepared, if you're lacking, if you're needing, if you're wanting, make us make a turnaround. Let's get ready. Do you need to get ready tonight? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing a song of invitation?